studying this morning, and you're probably familiar with it, you've probably seen this verse before, you've probably leaned on it as a parent, and so I want, we're going to work our way through it. I want to I start by under, uh, having an understanding. Firstly, God is at his very core relational. He is relational. He expresses himself in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he is at his very core relational. He, he had a relationship with Adam and Eve, and then it was broken by sin. And so he sent Jesus not just to forgive sin. Forgiveness was not the end goal. The end goal was to restore relationship. Forgiveness was the path, the means to restoring relationship. And so God is at his very core relational. And because of that, I think he uses relationships in our life to to form us. You know, the point of Christianity is to be formed into the image of Christ. And so I think God uses relationships most to do that. Um, There was a, we did a study here a while back, Gary Thomas's study, that said, "What what if marriage was meant to make you holy, not happy? And he he talked about in this study, he talked about how how God uses that primary relationship in our lives, marriage, to form us into the image of his son, to form us into Christ. And so marriage, as one of the primary relationships, is used by a relational God to form us into the image of his son. And I believe the parent-child relationship does the same thing. I think as we understand the parent-child relationship. As we look at this this morning, we're going to look at it from both the parent-child idea and, as Angie kind of talked about before, we're also going to look at it from the, he is our father, we are his child. Because oftentimes, what we see in our kids is what we also have in our relationship with God. If, if there's rebellion, if there is this, this strive to self-govern and and be in charge of their own life, if there is just outright uh, disobedience, we may find those same things in our relationship with God that we find in our relationship with our kids. So we're going to look at this verse from both both ideas, the, the idea that we're a child of God, so we have a Father in Heaven, and if you are a parent, we'll also look at it from the, the idea of parent and child. And we're going to do this as we have been this year. We're going to look first at trying to teach you to study your Bible. First, we're going to look at context. Then we're going to look at, at the so what's. So what does it say about God? So what does it say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? Then we'll look at it phrase by phrase. And then we'll look and, and dive in and find the comfort and the challenge that I believe is in every passage of Scripture. So we're going to use this format as we have been all year. So take a look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it is up here behind me. Start a youth out on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. So let's look first at context. Now the context is the book of Proverbs, obviously. If you, if you have one of the, uh, the sermon outlines, it says Proverbs, or Proverbs. I, I missed the B in it. It's the same, though. If you can't find that in your, in your Bible, look for Proverbs, because that's what, where it'll be. 
But the Proverbs are usually attributed to Solomon. Now, there's a lot of them that actually have other authors that are listed, but they may have been gathered by Solomon. So Solomon was considered the wisest king of Israel, and so he, he put these together. He assembled these. Some of them are his own, and some are just that he assembled from other wise men. And Proverbs, you know, we, uh, when we studied some in the book of John, the gospel of John has a point. It has a purpose, and it's in chapter 20, verse 31. It says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, have life in his name. So you know the point of the Gospel of John is to believe that Jesus is the Christ and have life in his name. Proverbs has a verse that tells us the point of Proverbs as well. It's in chapter 22. If you just want to flip over and look at verses 17 through 19, let me read them to you. It says, listen closely, pay attention to the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge for it is pleasing if you keep them within you and if they are constantly on your lips I have instructed you today even you so that your confidence may be in the Lord so see the, the entire book of Proverbs has these points it is to increase our knowledge increase our wisdom and to build our confidence in the Lord so the context of the Proverbs as a as a book as a group of sayings is to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge, and to build our confidence in the Lord. That's the whole point. So that's our, our context for this verse, for verse 6. You know, Proverbs is kind of amazing. I have used it many times uh, in my Christian walk. Uh, Angie mentioned earlier, five minutes a day. You know, you can read the proverb of today. For instance, it's chapter 18 today. And you can read that in five minutes. And that can be your devotional by the date. Start today, do the 18th, tomorrow do the 19th. When you get to the first, start over at the first. And it, it, it just, it has the wisdom of God constantly on your, in your mind and on your lips just to do that. It's a great way to study through. So what does this say about God? Well, God has a path for you. If you are a child... God has a path for you. If you are a child of God, he has a path for you. You hear me say this over and over and over again. You were made on purpose with a purpose. And, and that God has a purpose for your life. And so God made you for that purpose. You have a path set out by God. And it says that we can return to that path anytime, right? Even when we get old, we can return to it. So it's, it tells us something about the faithfulness of God, doesn't it? That he is waiting for you to return to the path if you have strayed, if you have gone astray, if you've chosen your own way for a while. God is waiting for you to return. It is his desire, God's desire, that you stay on his path or to return to it if you have strayed. You know, his path is always going to be best for you. You're, uh, it doesn't matter what point in your life you are, if you are trying to choose what comes next, look to the maker of heaven and earth. Look to the guy who made you with a purpose. He made you on purpose with a purpose. So look to him and see what he has to say about what your next step is. It's always going to be the best. He sees what we don't see. He knows what we can never know. 
So follow his path. Now, the Hebrew of this, this uh, verse is kind of obscure, so it's been understood two different ways. It's been understood, train a child in, in accordance to who he is. Um, I've heard it preached this way. I've, I've understood it this way, where it's, it, it is the idea of, of everybody's made on purpose, with a purpose, and we're made different. We're not the same. In fact, you are the only you God will ever make. You are the only you God has ever made or will ever make. And so you are different than anybody else. You're unique like everybody else. <laughs> as, as, as I like to say, that, um, there's kind of an oxymoron. You're unique like everybody else. But, but you are the only you that, that God will ever make. And so he, he wants you, he has a path for you specific to who you are. That's how this verse is sometimes understood. Now, it's also sometimes understood to be more like uh, train a child in a way befitting a child. In other words, uh, to the level of understanding that he has. Now, I think both of these are correct. And I'll tell you why. Because God does indeed make each of us different on purpose. And he has a purpose for us, each of us, that is different than the person you're sitting next to, or your husband, or your wife, or your children. So... So we have a different purpose based upon who we are. How do you hear from God best? Some people it's in worship. Some people it's in the Word. Some people it's in circumstances. Some people it's in, in, in other godly people talking to them. It, it, however you hear God best is how you're made. God relates to us in the way He made us. And so I believe that part, that side is true, that we should be we should understand the path that God has for us according to who he made us to be. But I also think that God works on our level with us. You know, this is the theory of, of progressive revelation, that we understand so much as a child, but as we mature spiritually, we understand more. Have you ever uh, opened up the Bible and read a verse and had whole new meaning from it today than you did the last 50 times you read it? Your spiritual maturity has gotten to the point where God is teaching you something new from that. So God does indeed work with us, not only for who we are, but for the, our level of understanding. So I think both of these translations are correct, or both of these understandings are correct. And as I said, it, it tells us about the incredible faithfulness of God. He is patient above all else, isn't he? His love just endures with us even when we are going astray. He is faithful even when we are not faithful. He is always waiting with open arms for you to return to the path that he has for you. So what does it say about us? Again, you hear me say it all the time, but you were made on purpose with a purpose. What that means... Not only are you the only you that you've ever that, that God will ever make, but your differences, what makes you unique, your little idiosyncrasies, they are perfect and they are beautiful because God made you that way. You are intended to be that way. You are intended to be who you are. God intended that. He's, you are the only you he will ever make. And so because you are unique, God has a plan for you, specifically. Not sort of a general, let, uh, go, go tell people about Jesus 
general plan, but a specific way that God intends to use you. Because he made you for that, for that purpose. It tells us that we can always return to the path. Always. We can always come back. God remains faithful even when we are not. We saw this when we studied 2 Timothy last week. That, that God cannot, Jesus cannot deny himself. And so, we are always able to come back to him. Always able to return to the path God has for us. And I think that the, the fact that God made you exactly for who you are and has a purpose for you tells us about his love and his care for you. God loves you and he cares for you and he wants you, your life to have purpose and meaning and he's given it that if you will just listen to him. So what do we need to do? We need to trust God. <laughs> if you have a child that is, uh, that is off the path right now, you need to trust God with your child. His plan is always better. You know, we, uh, we in the Christian circles like to say that our, uh, maybe we have a child that is still working on their testimony. But they, God has a plan for them, and, and it, this verse promises that if they come back, he's waiting with open arms. He will let them return, always able to return. And it says the same thing about us, because we stray. We decide we want to be in charge. We get rebellious. We, get, we, we, we strive for self-government. We strive not to follow the rules even when we know better. God's waiting for you to return to the path. What we need to do is trust God with our children's lives and with our lives. We need to trust God. The book of Proverbs tells us that, that, that God has a way. And it's going to be the best way. But he has a way, and even when we stray from it, he's waiting for us to return to it. And we can always return to it. So let's look at, uh, at this phrase by phrase. Start a youth out on his way. Start uh, means train up or dedicate or inaugurate. It's the beginning of something. And so you can see it's been translated several different ways. And as I said earlier, this is, uh, this is, because the Hebrew is kind of obscure, this has been understood a couple of different ways. One of them is, is the idea that the child is made different and therefore has to be taught different. The other is that the child has at this level of understanding, and so you have to teach to that level of understanding. And I believe both of those to be true. I believe God deals with us exactly that way. This start or train up, it's the beginning of a path. It's the beginning of a path with God. We all have a story of our path prior to this. We have a point where we came to understand there is a God, and He loves me, and He, he has a plan for me. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, or, or a month ago or so, we do not have to teach our children to love God. We need to teach our children God loves them. Because that, from that comes everything. From the idea, from the, from the fact, the knowledge that God loves them comes everything. We need to teach our children that God loves them. That's this beginning point that's in this verse. 
Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. This phrase is also understood a couple of different ways. One of them is, uh, is, is probably the most popular, and that is that if they go off the path, God will let them back on. That's the way most of us understand this. Now, it's also been understood that if you get them really going right the first time, then they will not, until they're old, they'll stay on the path. I don't know about you, but I, I just don't see that as, as something that, that, that I've witnessed. I've never witnessed that. I've never seen that. Everybody I know has gone off the path at some point. Everybody I know really needs the first understanding of this verse, the understanding that we can always return and that we will, the, the truth will always prevail. We will be able to return. We need that. I understand the, the depravity of mankind. And I think you do too if you've ever turned on the news. If you've ever watched the first five minutes of any newscast, you must believe in the depravity of man, right? What we do to each other. How far off the path we can get. God says in this verse, we can return. So I believe that, that first idea of how this has been understood. God is always faithful. Always faithful. And incredibly patient with us. And this is where, this is where I, I, I want to just bring your mind to those that are parents. I want to bring your mind to have you seen in your children rebellion and, and the strive for self-government and the, the, the idea that, uh, of nobody's going to tell me what to do and, and, and I'm not going to follow any rules. Have you seen that in your children? Have you ever noted that we, you have had that same attitude with God? Because each of us have. Each of us have had, at times in our lives, uh, we've made a decision that we're just not going to do what God wants. I'm just not doing that today. I know my Bible study, I know I should do my Bible study, I know my Bible's sitting right there, but I don't feel like it today. We do it on and on and on. We do it occasionally, we do it again and again. God is always faithful. He will always let us come back. And so when we see in our children what we do to God, it changes our theology a bit. It brings that theology home to us. It helps us to understand rebellion is a big deal because we see it child to father, child to mother, and then child of God to God. We see it. So what are the, what's the comfort and the challenge in this verse? Well, again, I think we can see the comfort and the challenge from both the aspect of parent and child and of child of God and, and God. God made you on purpose with a purpose. He's, you are the only you God will ever make. And so he has a plan for you. And he is, he is waiting for you to come back to it. If you have strayed from it, he is waiting for you to come back. If you are a parent of a child who is still working on their testimony, trust God that he will bring them back. This verse says he will. This verse says God is waiting for them to come back. 
So trust God that he will. That's, that's really the challenge of this verse, is trusting God. Because we want to trust everything else. We want to trust society. We want to trust ourselves. Especially here in the West, we have this real, by our bootstraps, faithful to myself and myself alone idea. We need to trust God, not only with our children's lives, but with our own life. We need to trust God. We need to be on the path God has for us. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. You might be straying right now. You might, you might need the beginning point of this path this morning. If you need the beginning point of this path, it begins with a simple prayer, a prayer that, that, that just acknowledges sin. It just says, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've, dead, I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died on the cross for me, to save me, that, it, that I am forgiven so that I can be restored. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let one of our deacons know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but you're not on the path. You haven't found what God has for you, or you know it, but don't want to do it. Will you take a moment right now and square that with God? Let him know you're willing to do whatever he wants. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that, that you are faithful even when we are not. We thank you that you call us to a path. You call us to have purpose and meaning in our lives and, and sometimes we miss it. Show us the path for us and help us to stay on it. Help us to trust you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.